When God is always working, he's always moving, even when we don't see it, even when we can't understand what's happening or why things are going nothing stops the purpose and the plan of Almighty God. I want to talk to you for a few moments before we get to those prayer meetings from a very familiar passage of scriptures in the, in the book of Numbers. Uh, but let me just remind us uh, of what was happening before we get to the actual verses we're going to read. Moses has been raised by God to lead the people of God to the promised land, the land that God had promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And now hundreds of years later, they're on that journey to that, the promised land. It's the place of blessing. And just before they enter into that land, Moses sends in 12 men to spy out the land and to bring back a report, and we're going to look at that report that they gave in Numbers chapter 13. I just want to read beginning from verse 25. Listen to the after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was the, their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the, the Negev, and the Hittites and the Jubasites and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. I'll stop there for a moment. Then I'm going to go down to verse 30. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw there were huge we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought, too. So we, you see in this uh, portion of scripture that of the 12, 10 of them gave a bad report where they, although they acknowledge it is a, a, a bountiful land, it's a land of blessing, it is the place of blessing, uh, yet they, they, they say, well, you know, whenever there's that but, you know what's coming now. He said, but it's, there are fortified cities there. And, and we even saw giants in there. And they've spread this bad report to the people. Uh, and it produced fear 
in the heart of the people. But now Joshua and Caleb, they believe that they will prevail over the giants, over this opposition that they found in the land. And uh, look at Numbers chapter 14, verses 6 through 12 with me. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we travel through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them, I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they are. So, Joshua and Caleb are trying to in encourage the people to not be afraid. They say, uh, we, we acknowledge that they're giants in the land. But listen, God is with us. And if God is, is favorable toward us, uh, we are going to get the victory. God will defeat the enemy. Come on, we can do this. But the people now... Their hearts have been captive by fear now to the measure now that they started talking about stoning Joshua and Caleb. And if it wasn't for the manifestation of the presence of God, they probably would have tried to carry that out. But notice God's word that how long are the people going to hold me in contempt? And God got so angry with them that he said that he was going to wipe them out. And ultimately... As we know the history, only Joshua and Caleb of that generation did enter into the promised land. That entire generation lost to enter into the promised land, the place of blessing because of fear. You see, when we embrace Jesus Christ as our Savior, we begin this incredible journey to the promised land. The place of blessing. I've titled this little thought tonight, The Place of Blessing. Uh, because the promised land for you and I is twofold. It is a spiritual place of blessing in this life. It's a place of spiritual prosperity in this life, as well as, of course, being with the Lord for all eternity when he returns for us. That's the ultimate promised land. But there is a promised land that you and I can experience today here in this life. It's a place of spiritual blessing. But we have to be reminded tonight that if we are going to experience the place of blessing, we better get ready to face opposition. 
There are going to be opposition trying to keep us from entering into the place of blessing, that spiritual prosperity that God has for us. And the greatest opposition that we will ever face, the one that, in fact, we have to face on a constant basis in order to experience the place of blessing is fear, the opposition of fear. You see, if I could break it down in simplified form, the Christian journey is about faith versus fear. Faith versus fear. See, faith believes in God's faithfulness. And by that, I'm talking about his ability to keep his promises. And it also believes in God's power, meaning that God has the power to keep the promises he gives us. But fear doubts God's faithfulness and it doubts his power. Fear gets us to doubt, to question whether God will be faithful. Is God going to keep the promises that he made to me? Is God going to keep the promises that he will never leave me or forsake me? Is God going to keep the promise that he's able to deliver me when I cry out to him? Is God going to keep the promises that he has made throughout his word to his people? Fear causes us to question, to doubt God's faithfulness. I don't pray because I don't believe that God is going to answer doubt. And then there's doubt that, that, that comes in and fear that comes in because now we have the promises, but now we wonder whether God has the power to come through. Our adversary is strong. This situation, this illness is powerful. Does God have, truly have the power to overcome that and heal? Fear, it produces doubt, it questions God. And both faith and fear, listen, are empowered by what you and I see. It is empowered by what we focus on. Notice in our text that fear gripped the heart of the ten spies because of what they saw. And by meaning what they saw, what they chose to focus on. Because they saw that the land was good, didn't they? They said, hey, hey, this is a good land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Hey, check out the fruit that we brought from it. There's no question. It's the place of blessing. But they never focused on that. They chose to focus on the fact there are giants in the land. There are, there are big time oppositions there. So that's what they saw. They saw also that compared to that, those giants, that opposition, they were like grasshoppers. So they saw their opposition as huge. They saw their opposition as powerful. And they saw themselves as weaklings. 
And in the end, they also saw God as incapable of overcoming that difference. I'm weak, the enemy is strong, and God can't make up the difference. Therefore, we should not enter the promised land. We got to stay away from the place of blessing. This is what they focused on. That's what they saw. Now, Joshua and Caleb, they saw the same opposition. They didn't deny that they were giant, they weren't giants in the land. They also understood and saw how small they were, how weak they were in comparison to that opposition. But no matter how strong the opposition was, and no matter how weak they were, they saw that they serve a God that was more than able to still bring them into victory. You see? What I'm getting at is this. I want you to see something here tonight. Because both faith and fear see the opposition's strength. Both faith and fear also see our weaknesses. And what that teaches me is that it's not a, a, a matter of a lack of faith when you and I acknowledge that we're facing a strong adversary. It's not a lack of faith to say that adversary is too strong for me or that I'm too weak for that adversary. Because the truth of the matter is, we are too weak. There's no one here that's a match for the devil and demons in and of ourselves. We're no match for the, the, the spiritual opposition that is there that wants to keep us from entering into the place of blessing that God has for us, that spiritual prosperity. So it's not a lack of faith to acknowledge that. The issue is never the opposition's strength or our weakness. The issue is always how we see God. When it comes to this circumstance, when we're facing opposition, it is not about the opposition's strength, and it's not about our weakness. It's always, 100% of the time, is how do I see God in this situation? What do I believe God is able to do in this circumstance? They both see God. It's a question, though, of whether we see God as all-powerful and capable or as a God who is limited and incapable in that circumstance. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, we've all been there. Yeah. We've all been in that place, and maybe we're in that place tonight, where the, a particular circumstance that we find ourselves in, we can't seem to get the breakthrough, and if we are examined in our, in our hearts, if we were able to go under a spiritual MRI, it would show us that we do not believe that our God is able to deliver us, that our God is able to bring us into a place of victory in that circumstances. Are you following where I'm at? There are times when we have great faith for this situation or for that situation. However, 
over here, I can't make any progress there because in truth, it's not about the opposition. It's not about my weakness. It's about how I see God in that circumstance, in that situation. When I don't see God as being able to deliver, when I don't see God as being able to make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. You see, the, the devil has now been successful. Fear has taken root in my soul. And I am afraid for the outcome. I'm, a, I'm paralyzed into moving forward because I just don't see how God is going to come through. Are you with me tonight, brothers and sisters? We're talking about being transparent and recognizing we identify more with the 10 than we do the two, don't we? We don't always have that kind of faith that Joshua and Caleb have where, where hey, guys, we acknowledge, man, this is, we're really going to have big-time opposition. We acknowledge that we're, we're weak compared to those guys. But, man, we got God on our side. We got God on our side. Pastor Jason, if you would make your way back to the keyboard. See, our greatest failures, spiritually speaking, are always rooted in fear. Whenever you and I stumble and fall, it is always because we are fearful. When God gives us an opportunity to share our faith with somebody, isn't it true, transparent time? What keeps your mouth shut? It is fear. It is fear that what we have to say is not going to be accepted, that we're going to be ridiculed, and, all, and we're going to make, look like we're too weak. We don't know what to say. We don't know enough of our Bible. And we start focusing on all of that. And all of a sudden, even though God has presented us with the opportunity, we don't believe God is capable of seeing us through that opportunity. And therefore, we say we can't enter there. We lose the place of blessing, of seeing someone possibly come to the Lord. And I don't know about you, but even there are times where I have been able to share my faith, even if the person does reject me or the, you know, they're like, well, we're not sure. Isn't it still something powerful that takes place in your own soul? Every time you get to share your faith, there's a strengthening that comes in your heart. There's a blessing that comes with just telling people about Christ. But it's fear that keeps our mouth quiet. You see, it's fear that keeps people from prayer. Oh yeah, I don't know how to pray. Well, I haven't met some, uh, one person that does. Nobody knows how to pray. The Bible tells us that. We don't know how we ought to pray, but the Holy Spirit, there's the promise of God, the Holy Spirit helps us. Well, if I truly believed, if I had the faith to believe that every time I opened my mouth, the Holy Spirit would help me to pray, then I would be a prayer warrior. I would be praying so, mu- so many hours a day. You would be praying so many hours a day. This building would be standing room only in the prayer meeting. Why? Because we all believe we serve a God who is able. He said if whatever we ask, he would give us. There's the promise. 
but how, why is it that so few ask? Because we don't believe. Because fear has gripped our hearts and told us our God will not come through. And we'll look foolish if we pray for something and it doesn't happen. I've been in that place once where I was praying for somebody. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit quickened me and said, pray this. And I'm not going to tell you what it said because I, I'm, so, I'm too embarrassed to say it. And at that moment, fear came. But if you say that and it doesn't happen, then what? You're going to look stupid. You can't pray that. You can't pray in faith and believe for a miracle like that. What if it doesn't happen? And I wish I could tell you that I fought through it. But I didn't. And I was tormented after that. Because I realized, God, you put that moment, you put in my hands the opportunity to pray a miracle into somebody's life. And I allowed fear to rob that. And I don't know to this day if that person ever received that miracle. And I am praying that God in his mercy gave them that miracle anyway through somebody else. Somebody with more faith than I had at that moment. Have you ever been there? Where God has opened up a door for you to say something, to do something, and fear crippled us into non-action? Yeah. See, fear is always at the root of our greatest failures, but conversely, when we look at our victories, our greatest victory always have their roots in faith because it's not about us doing, it's about us believing. And then he does it through us for, the, for his honor and for his glory. It's always going to be about how you and I determine to see God in a particular circumstance. And no one will question that we are living in challenging times. It's a challenging climate. But yet, God wants to bring us into the promised land. God wants you and I to experience the place of blessing, that spiritual prosperity, that no matter what's going on around us physically, our soul can prosper. We can grow in our, in our walk with God and in our knowledge of the Lord. But we're going to face opposition. And the biggest one will be fear. And that's why, as I close, listen to this verse from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of fear of the devil. That's the, the, the exhortation from the Apostle Paul for the, for the armor of God that we have that shield of faith. Everybody has a shield of faith. The question is, will we hold that up and stand on the promises of God and the God who made the promises to believe in Him, 
that he's going to be faithful and that he has the power to do that which he has promised. Blessed be his wonderful name.